No. Serena, why is that Eli's favorite word? I mean, you know, he just loves saying it now. And, you know, he doesn't always, but, like, look at him and he, he has a pee. I'm like, Eli, do you have a pee-pee? And he's like, no. I'm like, I see that you do. <laughs> well, get ready because it gets worse. It's just no, no, no. And the older they get and the more into the terrible twos that they get, that the no's get, like, firmer and sharper and with more attitude. So um, this is just and, the beginning. Unless you're like ice cream, then you never get a no with something like that, right? You never get a no with ice cream. It's <laughs> or, always a... It, or let's go outside, or let's go play. Yeah! Yes, yes, yes. Those are yeses. <laughs> Mama! Welcome, parents, to Raising Amazing. Hi, I'm Dr. Joel Gator-Warsh, board-certified pediatrician specializing in integrative medicine. And I'm Serena Vincent. I'm an actor, writer, and new mother. Join us in learning and laughing as we navigate through the messy path of parenthood. And together, let's begin Raising, Raising Amazing. I don't know. So yes, 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 we are continuing the conversation about toddlerhood. No! <laughs> yes, yes, we are. No, actually... I really feel like I'm in it now. Oh, we're We've in spent it. the last two weeks um, with family and doing a lot of like fun outdoor things and swimming and and the park and and playdates with cousins and I really see him growing so much and um, you know when we did this interview we we speak uh, this week with Devin Kunzman from Transforming Toddlerhood. It was more in the middle of the pandemic, so we weren't quite there yet. We weren't, at least in my family, like we weren't taking Nico to the park because the parks were still closed. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't know. I I've just felt I feel so much more growth in in myself as a parent. Like I feel so more confident now that we're like back out in the world and doing things. Mm -hmm. And I see it in Nico. You, you you definitely see it as they grow up, but then that comes along with a lot of fun fun side things as well like the stuff that we always talk about in the office like kicking and biting and banging their heads and all the the fun yeah. toddler things and you know one of them it's it's one of the more common questions i actually get at a you know physical with with families it's like is this is normal you know is my kid banging their head or doing this thing normal and then pretty much every kid does go through it and that's where it's just really important uh to recognize that as a parent that that you know all toddlers are doing these kinds of things and our job as parents is to you know gently redirect them and and, and keep our keep our focus and, and keep them feeling safe and comforted but also you know trying to redirect some of those behaviors that maybe aren't ideal when you're you know in a store or something like that <laughs> right and keep our cool mm -hmm. you know I, I i mean when nico starts like kick, he kicked me in the stomach the other day and it literally knocked the wind out of me you know and it and it it, it, it ignites all of like the worst qualities <laughs> that I feel like I have in myself of of you know reacting instead of responding or overreacting and and I don't want to model that behavior for him and I I feel like um, yeah d the terrible twos are definitely pushing my buttons but I I also see that when I when I handle it correctly and model these behaviors that create safety and create connection I can see you know it, it working and um when we we spoke with Devin I when I re-listened to this interview um I re I remembered 
how much it meant to me when we did the interview. She's so good at what she does. Mm -hmm. And she's also a life coach. So it just made me feel better about everything when we spoke to her. But like re-listening to it uh, this week, um, I really needed to hear all of that advice again. I feel like as parents of toddlers, we do feel like every day at some point that we're not doing it right and we're not enough and the kicking, the kicking and the biting and the tantrums are a reflection of something that we're doing wrong. And as you just said, it's not. It's just that they all do it. Right. They all do it and it all goes in waves. And that's why you know it's so nice to talk to a toddler expert because this is what she does every day and she works with families who are going through these very things. Because just like you said, I, I think every parent feels like they're either not doing something correctly or they're not doing enough or these behaviors have something to do with them you know and to a degree you know you do are obviously related to their behavior a little bit but at the end of the day every kid is going to do this as they're getting older because they're exploring the world and they don't they don't understand they don't know if they like you know especially at the beginning if they kick you that it hurts they don't know if they're going into the the cupboard or closet that there's something dangerous in there they're just a kid playing with a door (laughs) you know they don't know any different and they're just having fun and so it's just our job to keep our cool and, and redirect them uh, and teach them, you know, the difference between right and wrong and what we should or shouldn't do uh, slowly and calmly over time. But but these are normal things. And, and Devin goes through that with us and just and reminds us. And that's why, as you said, it's really good to always re-listen to these, these kinds of topics and these kinds of episodes and, and this discussion, especially if you have a toddler, because it's really easy to forget to remain calm when your toddler, you know, punches you in the face. <laughs> <laughs> Right. Right. Or um, Nico's in the phase where he's just, well, he's been in this phase for a really long time where he just, if there's a a cup of water or anything uh, liquid that he can get his hands on, he will just dump it out no matter where he is. Why do they do that? I don't know. He just throws everything on the floor. It's like he'll eat and then just everything on the floor. Or he's drinking and he thinks it's so funny to just dump it out. (laughs) It's so annoying. And he dumped a huge glass of water just in the bed the other morning at like Mm. 6 o'clock in the morning. Mm -hmm. And then I yelled and then I felt guilty. And and then I had to make up for it and say, you know, I'm sorry for yelling and do all of those things. But (laughs) anyway... I loved this interview because, like I said, I needed to hear it when we recorded it, and I needed to hear it back because I have been feeling like, even I'm trying really hard, and I do have you know many times a day where I feel like I'm not doing it right. Yeah, and if any toddlers listening up there, stop dumping stuff on us. <laughs> <laughs> Just drink the water. It's not for the floor. <laughs> it's cause and effect, right? That's why they want. That is exactly what they're trying to do. Ooh, when I pour this out, it does this thing. Yeah. It's not It's not funny to off. me. I know, it makes me crazy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get right what, into it. Okay, well, let's get right into it. <laughs> so next guest here today on Raising Amazing, I'm so grateful for because I need so much help, Devin Kuntzman. She is on a mission to transform the myth that toddlerhood is terrible. She empowers toddler parents to overcome the challenges of toddlerhood. She is the founder of Transforming Toddlerhood, the host of the Raising Toddlers Conference, and has worked with parents across the world to transform their parenting and their toddler's behavior. She has a degree in psychology and child development, and we are so grateful to have you. So thank you, Devin. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. Toddlers are my passion, so I'm excited to talk to you today. Yay. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm curious, you know, in my office, I am seeing almost every parent come in with concerns about toddler 
mental health and then their own mental health, really everyone's mental health, but, but certainly their, their toddler and their family. So I'm curious, you work with a lot of families uh, with toddlers and are you seeing an increase in the mental health concerns? And then second part of that question, how can we create some emotional safety at home for these families and for these kids that are going through these you know, mental health concerns? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the last year has put a huge stress on everyone's life. And, um, you know, we see a lot of the reports that especially moms like and women have experienced um, the brunt of a lot of the stresses. And um, a lot of times the younger the child is, uh, the more parenting responsibility falls on the female. And so um, I, most of the people that I work with, um, I'd say are 90% of uh, our moms. And I've had just so many people coming to me and not necessarily outright asking about their toddler's mental health, but really just parents feeling like they're they're failing and they're not doing enough. Like there's really been um, like a clear theme of not enoughness. And, you know, what we've gone through this last year, um, there's just so much pressure there. And so I just want to say to all the toddler parents out there, you are enough and you are doing enough. Um, Oftentimes um, what we actually need is actually to take a break and to do a little bit less and just be with what is. Um, And when it comes to the feelings and emotions, a lot of times, you know, they make us uncomfortable. So if your toddler cries or wants something that they can't have, it's really hard to be with. So um, I just wanna say, cut yourself a little bit of slack and know that it's completely normal for your toddler to experience um, a full spectrum of emotions and this is really what emotional safety is all about like really letting your toddler know and reminding yourself that it's okay to experience all of the emotions it's okay for us to feel sad to feel frustrated to feel disappointed just as much as it's okay to feel joy and happiness and excitement so when we talk about emotional safety this is really what we're talking about is allowing for all the emotions and interacting with kids in a way that increases their sense of security and safety um, instead of decreasing it or creating fear incredible (laughs) this is what i'm experiencing in my house too just every emotion you know Um, multiple times a day. And I'm reminding him that when he feels frustrated, it's normal. And when mama gets frustrated, that's normal too. And, um, and I'm, I'm doing my best to work through all of these emotions. And anyway, everything that you just said makes me feel better. (laughs) So thank you. Yeah. Oh, you're welcome. You know, like when it comes to really supporting your toddler and feeling seen and heard and having this sense of security. A lot of times it starts with us as adults, you know, just giving ourselves a little bit of compassion and reminding ourselves that it's okay to, you know, be feeling all the feels that there's nothing wrong with us. We're not broken. It's absolutely okay. And when we start to give that compassion to ourselves, then we're able to start to shift the lens through which we look at toddlers behavior and we are able to start to shift out of this, what I call this binary lens of like good and bad and like really just filtering all behavior through these two labels 
and really allowing for curiosity to really look at what's the root of the behavior, um, the feelings, emotions, and needs behind the behavior instead of focusing on fixing behavior. So this is where, you know, validating your own emotions, validating your child's emotions and experience is so powerful and so important for creating this emotional safety and knowing that you can validate your child's feelings and emotions without condoning their behavior. So if your child's upset, um, but they're kicking, um, because you know, toddlers, they love to express their feelings and emotions through behavior. So, um, in this instance, knowing that it's okay for your toddler to be upset and it's still okay for you to set a limit around behavior that is unsafe. And um, it's really that connection piece first, that um, the validation that creates the connection and the, um, the sense of security. And when we realize that these behaviors that frustrate us so much are actually completely normal in the toddler years, it can help us just start to bring in that compassion and be a little bit less reactive. Yeah, and, and I feel like, again, and I said this many times, just, just talking about this helps so many parents because we all feel like we're the we're doing something wrong. We're the only one that has a kid that's having tantrums. We're the only one that has a kid with anxiety. We're the only one where the kid's having issues. And it's not true. Everybody is going through this, every single parent. And, you know, people always come in and they think there's something wrong with their child. And it's just a reminder of, no, every kid goes through it. My, you know, six, my toddler goes through it too you know he gets upset and he cries and he gets frustrated and then eight seconds later he's playing and doesn't even remember like that's part of being a toddler and, and that's something that we we just have to remember that and as a pediatrician you know it's something that I always remind parents of that just like you said you know you're doing great these are normal things your kid is totally normal they're not going to turn into you know some crazy whatever because they had a tantrum one day like that's normal every kid bangs their head every kid kicks their legs every kid does all these things Right. And, and you have to give yourself a little pat on the back and a break and just remember that, you know, it's not you. You're doing all the right stuff and just, you know, push through it and, and keep a smile on your face and, and hang in there with them and, and give them that safety to express themselves, just like you're saying. I love yeah, that. Yeah, so exactly. And ex exactly because, you know, whenever we um, look at limiting, so whenever we look at big, big feelings that come up in these tantrums and different behaviors, they can be triggered by changes, you know, changes in the environment, stress in the environment. So it's normal for a child to be exhibiting some more tantrums whenever we're going through something that's stressful. And, you know, I've also had some parents come to me with some concerns because, you know, they've been so home, home so much with their toddlers. You know, there haven't been so many play dates or, um, you know, going to like, different parties or social gatherings as much. And so, you know, they've come to me and said, oh my goodness, my, my child's being a little bit timid. We went um, to someone's house or, oh, my um, child, you know, we were at the park and they didn't want to share the shovel at the, in the um, sandbox. And just still remembering even these are typical behaviors, but I think everyone's on hyper alert because of the pandemic, because of being home, that we're almost like looking for like the problems or the red flags instead of focusing on um, what's working and building on it. And I think this is a key concept in 
in parenting toddlers and, and positive parenting in general is, you know, really focusing on the things that you want to see and building on it instead of focusing on the things that, you know, we don't want to happen or um, the behavior we don't want to see. I, I mean, that's just great yes, advice but... for life too. you know, focusing on what's working and not about what's what's not gets um, makes everybody feel better. <laughs> um I have a question specifically um, for myself here because I, I was just talking about how I, before, you know, I was a mom, I thought I would never, I wasn't going to let my kid watch TV until he was like three. And now I'm leaning on screen time to get things done because I don't have any childcare help. And so, um, what can, what can we do about screen time? How much is appropriate for, for toddlers and just the power struggles with the, the transitions and, you know, creating healthy relationships around screen time. What are your thoughts on all of this? Yeah, well, you know, this is a really, I mean, this is a hot topic regardless of, you know, being in the middle of a pandemic. And, you know, with the pandemic, screen time has become even more of a divisive topic. And, you know, there's a lot of feelings and, and a lot of guilt that comes up around it because when we see the recommendations um, from like the American Academy of Pediatrics, um, the World Health Organization, you know, we see that, you know, from zero to 18 months, um, you know, they recommend not using screens or up to two years old or only limiting it to video chat. Um, or, you know, introducing screen time with shows um, that are you're co-watching with your child and, um, you know, from two to five, limiting screen time to an hour a day. And I think a lot of parents see these things and then start freaking out because they realize, whoo, we've been in survival mode and we are so far past that. Um, and just remembering, wait a minute. It's okay. These are guidelines and recommendations. They're not rules. So you are not ruining your child. You are not a bad parent. And you have been in survival mode and it is okay. <laughs> and, and in defense of the you know American Academy of Pediatrics, the, those recommendations are before the pandemic, right? I think people have to remember those things that, you know, all of this is totally new. There's no precedent for any of this. None of the recommendations that are out there you know, in these kind of long-term type issues are, well, first of all, screen time is a newer issue in and of itself. But then, you know, this these kind of things happen and came out before the pandemic. So I can tell you with, you know, 100% certainty that doctors have changed their tune on that. We still want you to minimize screen time as much as you can. But, you know, how do you tell a child, a four-year-old, if they're doing, you know, Zoom school or Zoom play dates or what it is, oh, only be on for an hour when you're doing your school, you know, online or the same thing with older kids, right? You, you know, you have to be reasonable and use it for what you can use it for and, and as much as you can, and then try to make sure they're doing other things when, when you're not on the computer. But there's a difference between, you know, being on a computer all day and watching some, you know, crazy show versus educational content. Right. So, yeah. yeah. I, I've been Absolutely. You know, having to lean on Sesame Street or something to get through a Zoom call, um, even with you, Dr. Gator, <laughs> um, you know, uh, and I feel guilty about it. But, um, it, it, you know, we are just all surviving here in this time. Yeah, and we're, yeah. we're definitely going to have the children with a generation of the best, th the strongest thumbs that have ever been in humanity, you know, they're just, <laughs> and, and I think that it's, 
important to remember that we don't know what this is going to do, right? We don't know that this is going to make kids have more issues if they're on more screen time or things. I think it's about how you do it, and, and we learn as we go. And I'm sure when the computer first came out, people were worried if you were on the computer at all, that was going to cause problems. When TV first came out, I'm sure people were worried about that too. And, and generations adapt, and, and pretty much every four-year-old is better than any of us on the computer anyways. So it's like they're just different. They're going to have a different life as they're you know 20 and 30 years old. So I think that's important to remember. And again, just like you said, don't worry about it. Don't stress about it. Do the best that you can and, and try to do educational content as much as you can. And that, that's what I recommend in the office. And it sounds like it's very similar to what, what you recommend. Yeah, absolutely. Because here's the thing. Screens are a part of our life. We've been in survival mode and screens are a part of our life. So instead of like measuring ourselves up against these, you know, guidelines and recommendations, I really, um, when I speak to parents about this, I'm like, listen, we need to look at your unique family. We need to look at how your child responds to screen time. Does screen time create massive tantrums when it's turned off? Like how does your child like interact and respond with screens? Because some kids are more sensitive than others. And sometimes screens cause a lot more stress than what they're worth in someone's home. And in that case, your family's screen time is going to look different than another family's. But the fact that because screens are here to stay in part of our life, I really encourage families to look at asking how. How will we create a positive relationship with screens? And even look at, okay, how much screen time are we willing to have in our lives? And then start to like really look at what your family values are around screens. And then start to look at, okay, well, here's where I am. Here's where I want to be and start taking some little steps, you know, towards that. But when it comes to creating a positive relationship um, with screens, you can really look at, you know, of course, when your child's not on screens, encourage them to do physical activities, making sure they're getting like an hour of like movement a day, um, choosing slower paced shows like Sesame Street that are really geared for the top for toddlers that have minimal screen um, shifts and transitions. They're slower and they're easier for toddlers to process and understand. Um, and then just looking at like, what are some simple like, I guess you could say screen time hygiene that you could implement in your family, like maybe turning off screens 60 minutes before bed or learning about parental controls so your child isn't being served a bunch of like commercials on YouTube or, um, you know, avoiding using them to stop tantrums or um, turning off screens during meal times. There's lots of simple things that we can start implementing, small steps that can take us towards the bigger goal. And that's really what's important is like just focusing on the process and all the steps that get you closer to that outcome that you envision for your families around screens. Love that. Love that. And and we, we chatted it now, you know, a little bit about screen time and something that most parents probably want their kids to do a little bit less. So let's talk about something parents want their kids to do a little bit more, which is play. And I think that's become, you know, a big issue in my office. I don't know if you're hearing it a lot of parents asking about, you know, what is normal for toddlers? What should we be thinking about for toddlers and, you know, in around play? And just also the, I guess, guilt, mama guilt, daddy guilt about, 
you know, not having them in the park, not having them in the playground. Is that going to be okay? Are we ruining them for life if they have never, they haven't been to the playground, you know, in the last year? Is that a big issue? And, and, and just what are your thoughts and what are you hearing from parents and what are you telling parents around play for toddlers? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and this is where, you know, when I look at it through my coach's lens, um, I'm really, it's about, okay, what are the experiences that you want your toddler to have when it comes around play and how can you create them? Instead of like beating yourself up for like not going to the park or, you know, things beyond your control, really looking at, okay, it's important for me, for my child to get um, some physical play in. And then looking at our, what are some ways that you can create this within your own home? Do you create an obstacle course with some pillows and cushions and, you know, other things in your house? Um, do you like practice like running like circles around the couch? Do you um, invite your child into like doing some yoga with you? Um, toddlers love to model the things we do. So when we can... Um, bring or incorporate them into our lives and bring in, you know, bring them into our movement practices, that can be really helpful. But the big thing to remember when it comes to play is that toddlers learn from experimenting and exploring. This is what toddlers are wired to do. Um, this is their developmental drive in toddlerhood, and it helps them learn what it means to be an individual separate from their parents and caregivers, and it helps them understand more about who they are as an individual. So um, there's lots of ways for your toddler to experiment, explore, and to support learning um, inside your home. So even if your child like didn't go to preschool this year um, or daycare, it's okay because so much learning happens through play, your toddler is not going to be behind. You can do things like get your toddler involved in daily household tasks. Toddlers love to be helpers. Say you get a bag of groceries, like letting your toddler drag them across the kitchen floor to the refrigerator. Like that type of heavy work is really important for toddlers. Um, getting outside, you know, any type of um, outdoor, um, time, even if it's for 10 or 15 minutes can be really supportive. Uh, reading with your toddler can be a really great way, um, to learn and just really following their lead in terms of interests and, um, you know, really gravitating toward activities that they're gravitating towards and remembering that a toddler's attention span is really short. Like a three to four-year-old's average attention span is eight to 10 minutes. So when we're looking at like a two-year-old, we're talking around like five or six minutes. So it's really important to remember that, you know, it's normal for kids to, um, you know, go from one activity to the next and that's okay too. You know, you're not, you didn't fail setting up an activity if your toddler only played with it for five minutes and moved on. <laughs> Serena, where, where, I know you mentioned this, you know, this, this topic before, it's something that, that you've been concerned about as a mom as well. And, and, and with play and getting, you know, your family to the park and, and things like that. Where, where, where your, where's your head at with all of this? And what do you, what are you thinking? First of all, I could talk to you all day and night. I'm just like hanging on your every word here because it, it really is making me, me feel better. My son, who's two now turned one and I'm uh, oh, sorry. Yeah. He, he learned to walk during quarantine. So we have never been to a park. We've never been to a playground. 
Um, he isn't in any sort of daycare. We don't have any help. So it's just like the three of us and in our little uh, tree house here. And um, I, I am concerned. I mean, we're, we, we're, we get outside every day and we explore and we find treasures. We pick up pine cones and um, we read and we do all of the things. But um, you said something that was really interesting to me. You said follow their lead. And like I tried, I'll try to say, okay, first of all, I'm not a crafty person at all. I'm an actor and I'm a writer, but I crafts make me crazy. And so I'll say, all right, we're going to paint today. And, you know, I'll get out the little thing, you know, the paper and the little Crayola finger paints or whatever. And he does not care. And he just like puts his hands in his paint, you know, and then just runs away. And I feel frustrated that like I wanted, you know, I want him to get like an activity that he would be doing in a preschool or something, but it just doesn't work. Um, that, and then question. I have a question about Before like, you go, where you go. oh yeah, sorry. Yeah. yeah. So I, I'm curious because you're, you're, you're mentioning this and this is a conversation that I have every day in the office and I read about it every day. And, and I'm, I'm curious where your thoughts are on this, because I think a lot of people are thinking this way and you're talking about, you know, you have never been to the park. You haven't been on those. I'm curious as to, you know, at this point, why you haven't been to the park, and if you if you feel like that's going to change in the future, what's gonna what's gonna change, and when you're going to to feel comfortable, if you think you're going to feel comfortable, because I think it's a it's a very difficult question that every parent is struggling with right now about whether it, they should go to the park. So I'm curious to get a little deeper on that in your head, as to you know where your thoughts are on that, and and, and if you think you might do it at some point soon. Well, we go to the park, but I don't let him play on the. First of all, the slides and things haven't been open. So, like, he runs around the grass, and we take the soccer ball and the football, and we, we bring his little scooter, and he runs, like, you know, um, we, you know, he runs, you know, rides along the sidewalk. So we're doing all of those things. But they just now opened up the, um, the slides and the swings, and I'm nervous. Like, I want to wipe. There's a swing in, like, the canyon here, and we walk to the swing, and I wipe everything down with wipes. And then I put them on it and then I wipe it down for the next person. And like, that's my paranoia maybe, but I, I, um, I guess I, 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 when I'm going to go is when you tell me it's okay, doc. <laughs> I mean, that's a hard question, right? But the, you know, from a science perspective for a second, there's still zero evidence that it gets passed on on services, right? We, we don't have any evidence that that's true. Um, so there really theoretically shouldn't be any risk of you going on a slide in theory, unless there's another kid right there and they sneeze on, on your child. Okay, well, see, in this theory. is where my this is where my head's messed up because I still have this like news thing in my head from when they said that they found it on the surfaces of the cruise ship for like you know 17 days later. Like that is in my head, and it is it is creating a like anxiety within me. Right, right, and that and that is super important, and and, and but the the follow up to that is the evidence since then has not shown that, right? And just because you find particles of something doesn't mean those particles are alive or can infect you. So it doesn't necessarily mean that you can't get sick. We don't know every detail, but all the evidence thus far shows that it's, you know, respiratory virus in terms of, you know, somebody coughs on you or coughs near you or breathes near you. Um, and that is what leads you to getting sick. That's what we think at the moment. And, you know, as we're filming and it changes every week, it seems like, but that's where we are. And, and is this is this something that you're seeing, seeing Devon? Because I, I, I get this kind of question and conundrum every day, <laughs> every day. 
Yeah, well, I think that, like, the pandemic in general has parents on high alert and, like, wondering, like, do we do we have childcare? Is it safer to have someone come to our house and watch our kids? Should they go to daycare? Oh, my gosh, we can't stand another day of us both working from home and, you know, not having childcare. So there's a lot of fear that's driving um, decision-making around getting support, um, you know, uh, creating other activities, getting out of the house. And it's really challenging because first of all, there's just a lot of information floating around. And of course it's human nature to want to protect your family, right. And protect your kids. And so when I'm talking to parents around this a lot, um, you know, we talk about fear and how fear is, part of who we are. It's, you know, part of what we experience as humans and we can't just make fear go away. Right. And we, we shouldn't just like stuff down our fear or call it bad or try to make it go away because it's part of who we are. So what I like to do is help us shift focus to looking at what are you committed to? What are you committed to in terms of, you know, your family's values, your child's development, your family's like safety and well-being. And then again, asking how, how can we take a step towards this? How can we, um, you know, move the needle forward 1% or 5% towards that? Because then we start really focusing on what we can control, which is, you know, taking steps towards what we're committed to and what we want to experience versus putting all of our focus on fear of what may or may not happen and letting that drive our, um, our decisions and our actions. So really letting what we can be at cause for in terms of what we want to create for our families, uh, letting that drive our actions. And, you know, it might look like going to the park, it might not, but at least you're again, taking steps towards what you envision for your family. And so it's a much more empowering place to be. Yes, I, yes. I and could cry. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I, well, I know better fear. to not make decisions out of fear, but I have around this. And everybody has, right? Everybody has. Everybody has made decisions around fear because we're seeing this so constantly. And fear is good and bad. Fear protects you, right? And it protects society. But fear can also go too far. And we can be afraid of things that we shouldn't necessarily be afraid of. And, and a good example of that is the statistics with children. You know, people are so afraid that their child is going to die from this, right? They're so afraid their child is going to die. But the reality of the statistics, at least as of today, and the last time I've seen it was, you have over 20 times more chance for your child to die in the car in a car accident than from coronavirus, right? That's the statistics. Now, there's lots of other things that you could potentially have that you don't want from this disease or other diseases. You can pass it on to somebody else. It could get passed on to grandma. So all those things we're not talking about. We're just talking about specifically the information for kids and about fear. And so I think that, you know, when you hear the statistics like that and you start to see as you know, hopefully things continue to get better as they seem to be at least, you know, around the world in LA right now, you know, as we're filming this, hopefully that continues to improve and hopefully the the fear starts to subside or decrease to whatever degree and then people start to be more comfortable and everyone's going to be in a different place and there's always going to be some risk and you know corona might be gone you know whenever you're listening to this even in the future and and there might be a new disease but there's always risk out there in the world and so it's about balancing those things for your 
health, your physical health, but also your mental health. And, you know, we're talking here a lot about mental health because kids are, you know, we're all both. We're mental health and physical health. We need both. And we, it's a balance. Everything is a balance. And, you know, we did a lot this year in terms of physical health, trying to make sure that we don't get sick, that we don't get a disease. But then that's, you know, in turn cause a huge mental health problem. And so everything is about bringing things back in balance. And now as hopefully things start to improve, then we focus more on the mental health. And that's why we're talking about this because, you know, your kids should go to the park, right? We, we should go to the park. We should play with other kids and we need them to be doing that when it's safe for everybody. And whether that's now or in the future, that's our goal. We want, you know, I want Eli to go to the park. You want Nico to go to the park. You want, we want our kids to go to the park, play with each other. Right? I'd like we want to hang out yeah, at the house. I was going to say, I'd like them to go to the park together. That would be fun. I'll bring a bottle of wine. Sarah and I will chat. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, you know, we, we get there over time, right? But that, you, you know, and that's, I keep saying it. That's why we're talking about this because everybody is thinking this. Everybody has those same fears. But as the fears start to decrease and everybody's fear is going to start to decrease and then our kids will be able to play at the park because no one's going to be afraid anymore. And hopefully that will be the case and things will be better, right? Things will hopefully be better. And there's been pandemics before and it goes away and it gets better. And this will hopefully be the same thing. Hopefully... You know, where we'll be, there'll be an end. Um, so that's you know, I'm jumping down from my soapbox there, but I think it's so important, you know, to say that. And and I want to uh, ask a question from from an amazing, you know, it's a good question I think that I've been hearing a lot from James. He says, "I'm working from home, and I've seen my two year old every freaking day for the last year. He's driving me crazy. Is this normal?" <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Right? We all need a break. We all need a break. I mean, the other day my husband went skiing. I was like, oh, thank God. He's like, are you sure you don't want to go? I was like, oh, no, you just go. You know? <laughs> just need a break. Um, so it's completely normal. I mean, everyone needs a break. We all need alone time. We all need time to take care and prioritize our own well-being. And, you know, well-being in different ways, like, you know, our emotional, our mental, our intellectual, our social, our spiritual well-being, they're all different facets of our well-being. And so you're not a bad parent if you long for the days, like pre-toddler, pre-baby, if you are thinking like, oh my goodness, if this child doesn't go to sleep in the next 10 minutes, I'm going to lose my mind. Like you are not a bad parent. You're actually a human being. And I think there's an opportunity for us all to embrace our humanness more, which is just, you know, really starting to embrace more of the emotions that we're uncomfortable with, right? Really embracing the, the, the feelings and emotions that we would normally call negative or bad and just realizing that they're part of us and it's okay. And just because they're there doesn't mean they're always going to be there. Our feelings and emotions, they're like storm clouds, you know, or like clouds in the sky. Sometimes they're storm clouds. The storm never lasts forever. If it's overcast, the sun eventually comes back out. It's not, so the way you feel in this moment is not who you are as a person. It's something that's passing through. And it's likely our feelings are really great signals for like how we're doing on the inside. So 
Um, you know, if you're feeling this way every day, you might ask yourself, what do I need? And as a coach, so I'm also a certified life coach. And so I work with parents on all of these things, like really looking at all the facets of their life that impact parenting because, you know, it doesn't happen in a vacuum. And our, you, you know, there's a lot of great information from the things that make us feel uncomfortable. So I just want to say like, you're not alone. You're not bad. You're human. And what do you need right now? And like, look at, you know, what do you need and what support do you need to get those uh, needs fulfilled? Because everyone has needs and I'm guilty of it myself. I like to <laughs> pretend I don't have needs or, you know, ignore them until like, I can't ignore them any longer. But, um, you know, the more, the more grace and compassion we give ourselves, the more grace and p compassion we'll have space for, for, um, for our, our toddlers. I love and that. And more wine. More wine. More wine. Yeah. <laughs> I always need more wine. And, um, I know you're a, I know you're a kombucha fan, Devin. I like that too, but I do follow that up with, with some wine, <laughs> but you were talking about what do we need, you know? And I, for the first time, this weekend, last weekend, I went to a rooftop yoga class and I was like, I've been a yogi long before it was cool. And I haven't been to anything like that in over a year. And when I got home, I realized how I didn't even realize how much I needed it. Like it changed, it, it changed. I'm still changed from it. And I think that that's really important for parents to, you know, we have to check in with ourselves and if we need a minute, a rooftop yoga class, more wine, a bubble bath, whatever it is. Um, Your Los Angeles is showing in this last like 35 seconds. Oh my God, that sucks. I'm sorry. A hike? <laughs> <laughs> a bike ride? <laughs> we go on bike rides um, uh, with wine. So um, here at Raising Amazing, we want everyone to leave feeling amazing. And I want to ask you, Devin, what's been the most amazing part? of your pandemic, your stay at home orders? Oh my goodness. The most amazing part, I think slowing down. Um, the pace that I was moving before um, was really fast and, you know, on planes a lot going between uh, Palo Alto, uh, Brooklyn and Ohio. Um, and I was just moving so fast all the time. And I think that it's been a really great way for me to reconnect with myself. And um, I've also learned a lot of compassion um, inside of it as well. And that's probably why I've been talking about it so much in this um, episode is that, you know, there's been a lot of um, great connections made and just learned to, to see life in a little bit of a, a different way. Um, you know, it's what's kept me going. <laughs> that is amazing. And same for me. I was on a plane every single month for the whole first year of Nico's life. I always had a bag packed and then, and then now we've just been home. So it, it is a big difference. And the slowdown is, um, has been beautiful actually. Well, I could use some more traveling. So I'm, I'm opposite of you guys. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. I miss the travel. Um, you know, I miss the, the travel 
for fun, but I don't miss the pace that it all was happening before. Um, yeah, well, I think you guys travel more for work and, and my patients don't appreciate when I travel for work. So, you know, then I'm not quite there. So it's, it's not, it's, it's the opposite. I, I like to get away, but I have to be there. But you have to be there. Yeah. <laughs> you're always, you're always there. That's why um, we love you, Dr. Gator, is that you are always there, even when you're away. Try to be. Well, yeah. We try. Thank you, Devin. Where can people find you? Yeah. Well, the best place to find me is at my website, Transforming Toddlerhood, or on Instagram, same thing, Transforming Toddlerhood. Um, I have some great resources there, um, some freebies on my website. And, um, you know, I'm really here to help parents overcome the challenges of toddlerhood, nurture their child's development and create confidence in their parenting skills so they can just find more joy in the day-to-day because you know we hear everyone say oh they're only little once they're only little once but you know that's hard to hear whenever you're just exhausted and frustrated in the middle of it all and so i just want everyone to leave feeling a little bit more empowered and just remembering that each and every moment is an opportunity to begin again. All you have to do is accept the invitation. Really, each moment can be a reset. Um, you know, so if you yelled, if you know you lost your patience, it's okay. You can do a reset. The next moment's an invitation to have it go differently. And just a, a quick plug: a lot of my patients and and people that, that you know follow me on social media or through emails and newsletters, they, they love your stuff. That's one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on here because they, they find a lot of value to it. So I mean, if you have a toddler, it's a great, uh, lots of great resources there of, of things that you can, you can check out. Um, so yeah, thank you so much for, for being a part of this and, and joining us and, and sharing your experiencing and hopefully helping a lot, of, a lot of families with toddlers to feel, or maybe have a little sigh of relief and know that they're not alone uh, in the struggle that we're all in. Everybody here, we're all in the struggle. I feel better, Devin, in just this hour with you. I feel better. So thank you. Thank you. Super grateful. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure. She was so great. She is so great. I I, I almost feel like I need to hire her <laughs> <laughs> to just have little check-ins with her along the way to, to, to help me do this better. And then you know, we can um, talk about it on the podcast. We can continue to talk about it on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I mean, and that's what she's there for, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's what she does. Mm-hmm. Um, I love this part, you know, when she was talking about if we lose our cool and we, you know, react or overreact in, in a way that, you know, we're not proud of with our toddler in any moment is a new moment to begin again. It's just really interesting to me because that is how I, before motherhood, that is how I lived my life. This is all like Course in Miracles stuff if anybody's ever followed mm-hmm. that, but how miracles happen in the present moment and a miracle is a shift in perception. If we just like stop for a second and take a breath and, and breathe and change our thinking about the situation, in that moment we can begin again and like we can completely reset the energy and the tone and our emotions and feelings for the next moment. Um, so I like have forgotten all of that, <laughs> now that I'm a parent. Like that's how I used to live my life and all that's sort of gone out the window. So it was really important for me to hear that again. I, I think that's a, it's just a good point in general, because as a pediatrician, you know, a lot of the time when people ask me questions, it's like, 
we do forget what we do for ourselves. And usually what you would do for yourself and what works for you is also works for you know, your kids. So in general, it's like, oh, you get a call about the kid banged their thumb and you know, whatever. And it's like, well, what would you do if it, hurt, if it happened to you? You know, a lot of times you could just think through what, like, what, what worked for you in your life and that's really helpful for your kids. And a similar situation here, it's like, you, yeah. you wanna keep, you know, remember that keep, how you keep yourself calm you know, before you have kids or just in life in general, it's the same thing that's gonna be helpful when you're dealing with a toddler, when the toddler is biting or screaming or banging their head or whatever it is, you know, go back to what works for you um, because these are the things, these things will happen, uh, you know, depending on, on your child, it may be more or less, but every kid is gonna do these things at some point, at least, you know, once or once a day or once every hour, whatever it is, right? They're gonna do it. So you just have to be ready for that and be realistic about it. and then keep your calm through it because it, it will get better they, they won't be biting you when they go to college you know hopefully <laughs> <laughs> well, certainly I hope not um, have um, have you heard about the calming corner have we talked about that I don't think so uh, um, we've done so much talking I can't remember if we've talked about the calming corner but um, creating a, a, a space in your house for your toddler or your child that's that's not time out but it's a calming corner and it has tons of words and tons of things that you can do pictures of things that you can do to get yourself calm instead of just um saying you know stop yelling stop doing that like mm -hmm. actually like work work through the situation and in the in the um, other corner is where you keep the wine so that's your common corner right <laughs> <laughs> we do talk a lot about wine in this episode yes and then the other corner is the bar 100 oh, percent. yeah oh i have to say for everybody listening, um, I am now, we're all about Nico sliding down slides. He's touching everything. I'm not running around with antibacterial hand gel like I was when we recorded this episode. So thank you, uh, doctor, for calling me out. Really, I needed to hear that when we recorded it. And it was after that episode that we got you know, out into the world and started doing more things. And as I said in the beginning, it's, it's changed everything. I'm happier. And if we're happier... Mm -hmm. then they're happier. Yeah, and you, I mean, everybody was doing it, right? I mean, the parks were closed or, uh, right. you know, it, it depends where you live. Everything's a little different, but, uh, you know, there was a lot. It was a very different place a few months ago than we are now. We just know a lot more, and obviously there's, you still want to be you know, cautious and careful, and nobody wants to get sick ever, but, but we do know a lot more uh, at this point, and so you want to, within reason, you know, make sure we're getting outside, because we also know vitamin D is so important for your health in yeah. general, and, and that was a big thing that was lacking uh, you know, during the pandemic when we were inside so much. So, you know, things change as we get more information. That's, that's, you know, what science is, right? We learn new information and then we evolve. Yeah. And we want to evolve as people and we want to evolve as parents. And again, that's, that's why we're doing this so we can be better and do better and raise the bar in ourselves so we can raise amazing children. Thank you all so much for joining us each week. Please be sure to subscribe to the Raising Amazing podcast so you don't miss out on any upcoming episodes. You can also follow us on Instagram at Raising Amazing Podcast to catch any extra fun goodies for you and your kiddos. And if you'd like to submit a question to be featured on the show, you can send in your questions to RaisingAmazingPodcast at gmail.com along with your name and your city. That's it for us for now. We'll catch you next Wednesday on Raising Amazing. Happy parenting. May the force be with you.